0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 6 of the Bullseye Podcast. Today, I'm joined with good friends. Uh, I have Phil here.
1: You don't even know our names.
0: I have Uh, Carl. (laughs) And uh, Justin. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Hosts of the show. Contributing members of the show. Uh, We've been through a lot here today. (laughs) It's been an interesting weekend.
1: Round two. Well,
0: beyond beyond that, technical errors. Everybody sounds like robots. Craig died. Rest in peace, Craig. Craig got back. Uh, got brought back from the dead. Welcome back, Craig. Craig is our recording software. Just so everyone knows, everyone's flustered. We can't get this USF bug off our backs. In the words of Pat McAfee, "What the hell happened?"
2: I will say, Brian, jean Marie, and any of our defensive players. You are excused from this rant. Don't start with the positives. That's not fun. Just kidding. The defense did ball out. Start with the negatives. Give me stats. Defense did everything they could. If you're looking at these stats, you would have thought we had won the game if you didn't know what the score was. We had more first downs. Yardage, we had a little bit less, 320 to 286, but so pretty close there. We had two penalties for 15 yards the whole game. Now, wow, that's impressive. They were costly penalties. Um, One was an intentional grounding that took us out of field goal range at the end of the half, and the other one was a roughing the kicker that extended a drive in the fourth quarter. But other than that, you know, they looked all right. Um, Jordan McLeod, 23 of 38, 225 passing yards and a touchdown. The poor kid was running for his life the whole game and took nine sacks. Oof. Nine sacks.
3: So – Part of part of that is on the fact that uh, Donovan Jennings, our best offensive lineman, went down in the first half, and in the second half, his replacement went down as well. So you have that going on. Doesn't really excuse the fact that uh, nine sacks happened. Even, even the replacements got to do better. Well, and you've got a scheme against them.
2: And let's just say McLeod, Let's just say for the sake of argument. McLeod isn't as shifty as he is, that's probably 12 or 13 sacks. Because how many times did he break a tackle or just use his God-given athletic ability to run away from a sack? You've got to do that both ways,
1: though. You've got to do that both ways because he, he doesn't scan the field very quickly compared to a lot of true, true quarterbacks that just feel the pressure and feel the the guys running open. He I think some of those are on him. Not all of them, obviously. I, s- I
0: swear – on a few of those plays, McLeod reminded me a lot of Q. <laughs> Young Q, early Q, but still Q. Without the, the getting without away, the, the the looking downfield, the to making a pass that's going out of bounds. The the important big clutch plays that Q made, I saw a lot of that on the field. Um and it could have just been nostalgia from ha- for actually seeing a first down. Um <laughs> Or or just having a quarterback in general who can who can move, which is it's nice. I wish I wish McLeod wasn't in this situation. I wish McLeod was coming in, having come off, you know, um I, I wish he was taking over the team at a point where we had just graduated Blake Barnett, who had a good run with USF. And was the second coming of Q, right? He doesn't get to do that. He doesn't get to have that. He gets, he gets this cockamamie, like, offensive scheme where he's just supposed to make things happen, and no one helps him.
2: What if he even just had one more year with Tyree, the guy who just gets open and just catches the ball?
3: I'm not even sure Tyreek and help. Guys,
2: this isn't fair.
1: This isn't fair. You can't. You can't abscond, McLeod, of all of this. I mean, really, we're saying we wish, we wish he could play with these guys. Remember the offensive coordinator we had last year? We can't. We can't say cockamamie offensive system. This is a guy who broke every record in D2 college football. We were praising the the uh, AD for hiring him. We were excited about the scheme and the system. And now we now just because for whatever reason it's not working we can't say oh i wish this and this and i don't think that's fair i mean it fall it falls it falls as much on him as it does on anybody else he he's missing reads he's missing throws look 23 of 38 255 is a great stat line but how many of those are checkdowns how many of those are the first read you know that's that's the type of stuff we're not privy to without a true film breakdown sure on on paper the numbers are good but i mean we scored seven points. I don't care what his stat line says. We scored seven points. That falls on the quarterback as much as anyone else.
0: No, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree with you. What the diff- What? 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 I'm really feeling though is I still don't know who our offensive coordinator is. Is it Kerwin Bell, who has all these awesome numbers and has these great schemes that we heard about, or is it Charlie Strong strangling everything? Yeah. Well, controlling that's controlling very... everything and making it so that we have this cuz we we've seen we've all seen flashes you know some of these end arounds the there's all kinds of interesting things woven in here here and there but a lot of it is really easy a lot of it is it's a million different things i'm not entirely convinced kerwin bell
1: is running this offense or no it feels like strong's got his finger on the pulse
3: i right. i'm with ryan here it's Charlie's still interfering with the offense somehow. And because Justin and I, at one point over the summer, just went through and broke down Kerwin Bell's style with uh, the de- championship was it, game. Yeah, the championship game. This doesn't look like that style whatsoever. Does it, Justin? No, but, and again, I like McLeod.
1: I think he's a, a good ball player, so I don't mean to sound like I'm piling on. Mm but that quarterback could sling it that they had. And I'm not this saying McLeod can't. I don't know if I don't know if he can or can't yet. We haven't completely seen it. He feels safe to me. He feels scared to push a ball into coverage, which could be coaching, could be a young quarterback, could could be a combination of both telling him, "Look, you know, get the completion live to see another down," which to an extent is true, but I mean, when we were breaking down that film, Carl, that that quarterback was flinging that thing all over the field into into tight windows, and I don't I don't see McLeod. One, I'm not convinced of the arm strength, but that's not my point. I'm just not convinced that he sees the field necessarily as well as he could. Now, I don't want to only blame McLeod. I do think there are scheme issues here. I feel like we went horizontal a lot this week, Mm-mm. but yeah. So basically, that's my point. I don't. I like McLeod, but I'm not entirely
2: convinced. And this is gonna. There's no real way for me to bring this up while making it sound better or worse than I'm meaning it. So I'm just gonna say it. Uh, you know, one of our one of our prospects in this recruiting class is a uh, is a quarterback out of Valdosta, Georgia, which who was mm-hmm. in Valdosta last year, and who's recruiting the Valdosta area. And I don't have this stat line on me, but in the playoffs of Georgia. put up some pretty wicked numbers so i'm just curious you
3: better hope he stays with this class right now because he just got an offer from utah Mm. oh mark
1: carlin but uh sorry to jump back in just because i'll be out of here in a minute uh i do like mcleod and to defend him i do think he looks good and one thing that i think is really telling in the games that barnett started and mcleod came in in relief and then in the first couple games maybe it was just the first game i can't remember off the top of my head we were all our jaws were on the floor when this kid came in and they were running these RPO style plays they were running these options they were running all kinds of things where the ball was out of McLeod's hands quick and we were all like oh Barnett's done he's never getting the job back and now we're a few weeks later and nobody's convinced so I don't know if I don't know read that read into that what you will it it feels to me that he's regressed not progressed and I mean maybe put the injury caveat on that but I don't know. When that kid first came in, we were all like, yep, there's our quarterback. Barnett can take a seat.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, since you're about to, to leave us, let's do
1: predictions now. Okay. We've got Cincy this week, right? Number 17, Cincinnati. Uh, I think we go down big, I think. 31-10 we lose. I don't think, I don't think we have the ball long enough. I think the defense plays well again, but, I mean, they're going to have 35, 40 minutes of the ball, and I think they're just going to end up breaking out of pure exhaustion, basically. I don't know. Until I can see this offense string some drives together and stay on the field for more than a few plays at a time, I, I can't predict us more than 10 points for, for the remainder of the season. Phil?
2: 31-17 Cincinnati, and the 17's only because we score a garbage-time touchdown. <laughs> which, which quarterback's in the game at that point? Is Evans healthy? Oh my god! No, nope. I don't even, I don't even know. So let's just let's just have a little fun. The defense is gonna do what they can to keep them in the game as long as they can. They're gonna get exhausted, and McLeod looks okay, but the scheme keeps going horizontal, and he throws a touchdown in the last two minutes. And Charlie keeps all his timeouts in his pocket.
3: <laughs> Carl. Forty two to three. Twenty-eight nothing at half.
2: Ooh.
3: ooh. Ow. Ryan. That hurts my soul a little bit.
0: I'm gonna outdo you one, Carl. Oh no. Thirty-five to zero.
3: I can get behind that, honestly.
0: We get our shit stomped. Charlie gets fired in post game.
1: That was my next question. Is this it for you guys? Is this Is this it? It's it, man. For me,
0: I mean, okay. We had a conversation earlier today. If we miraculously win this game, mm-hmm. I believe Charlie Strong, after beating a ranked team, will be allowed to have his third and final year next year, which economically makes sense for USF.
3: Yeah.
2: I hate to break this you. He still has two more years. Can
1: I take issue? I, I can't say how the AD thinks. But I think if you believe you are a top tier school and you want to compete at the highest level, you have to have a, a, a bigger mentality than that. I, I don't believe in this playing for your job nonsense, I think, because we all see what happens. D2 teams beat ranked teams and crazy things happen in sports. I think you have to have a bigger outlook on your program than, say, if he loses this game, he's fired. If he wins, he keeps his job, because that's ridiculous. If you don't believe it's working, you fire him regardless of win-lose. Uh, I don't think they'll do that, but that's just my opinion. The win-loss
2: isn't why Charlie Strong has, has or does not have a job right now. The reason Charlie Strong, at least in my opinion, still has a job at the University of South Florida is because of his buyout. Yep. Uh, we're not FSU who can privately raise $20 million. <laughs> just to have a coach, not coach here. to so hire Deion Sanders?
3: We can't raise 10% of that. That's not that's not inaccurate. Charlie Strong's buyout. What we know is at least two and a half million. We can't we can't raise that. Willie Taggart's was twenty. We can't raise ten percent of what FSU can. I have breaking news. I have Juan's prediction. He originally said
0: forty-two to fourteen, Cincy, and then changed it to twenty-eight to ten, he.
1: All right. He felt positive.
2: <laughs> can we agree? Can we at least agree though? that we're all saying somewhere between 28 to 42 points, we're going to give up. That's not a knock on our defense.
3: It's simply saying that the offense isn't going to do anything at all. Like I feel so
2: bad for this defense. Cause I feel if our offense was partly competent, we'd still be in the division race right now. I have a parting thought to leave you guys with
1: because I'm on my way out, but I was happy to see Mitch Moore involved. I was happy to see Miller involved. I would like to see the ball out of Jordan's hand faster. And I would like us to push the middle of the field a little bit more because we're doing doing—we're throwing these bubble screens. We're running a lot of horizontal stuff. I'd like to see us use that as a way of spreading the field out to then attack the middle of the field and attack space, which is why I think it's a good sign that Mitch and Miller both got some more touches. But I'd like to see the ball out of Jordan's hand quicker because, one, that's a sign of maturity, and two, it's a sign of acknowledgement by the coordinator that our offensive line needs help. Anyway, I gotta, I gotta
2: go, guys. All right, Thank have you. a good one, buddy. See you guys. See yeah. And he's he's completely right. I mean, it was maybe they was just because it was uh, Mitch's birthday. Uh, they decided to get him more involved. He five receptions for fifty five yards. He looked like uh, he looked like the Mitch Moore, uh, the Mitchell Wilcox that we uh, that we've known the last couple of years. And it was good to see him more involved in the game plan other than blocking.
3: I don't really have much else to add to that. I mean, yeah, it was was nice to see him doing more in the game, but at the same time, it's really hard to excuse the uh, rest of that game. Um, Some positive takeaways from the game,
0: or just cool things in general. The black SoFlo jerseys that we wore were ranked number two on the Uniswag uh, Uniform of the Week countdown. So good job, design department at Adidas. Um, And the helmets are a brand new technology from SHUT, which is supposed to help preventing brain injuries and and issues with concussions and all that. So USF had like 18 of these helmets, and that's why everyone's head looked gigantic. was because these are really thick boy helmets, like with more than two Cs. And that's just a little fun thing. Hopefully, you know, USF continues to be on the cutting edge of technology. Uh, Players who wore them include Mitch Wilcox, Jordan McLeod, Greg Reeves, uh, Kronk, uh, Dwayne Boyles, Randall St. Felix, Bentley Sanders, and Demetrius Harris. When you change helmets, it could throw off your your groove. I mean, Antonio Brown had a whole rant about it this entire (laughs) offseason.
3: Okay, well, Antonio Brown lost his freaking mind.
0: So right, I don't think because he, they changed
3: his helmet. We put all these. Nah, I, th- I think it was more than that. All right, here's a
0: conspiracy theory: we put mind control helmets on all of our best players, and Randall Saint Felix. Oof! And it stopped everyone from scoring. And it was all it was all mind controlled by by Charlie Strong. That's why he had that like dumb face the entire game. And that's why we suck. Mind control.
3: Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah,
0: that's the only excuse I have for not using your time as the last two minutes. But, um, all right, that's enough football talk. We're, I'm off the rails.
2: Hang on. Uh, Justin did want to add um, that he also wants them to try to establish the run. I mean, Jordan Cronkite only touched the ball eight times uh, that whole game. And even if it's just hold the ball so the defense can get a few seconds to breathe and catch their breath. So. Uh thank you Justin. That's enough that's enough football talk here. Um
0: let's move on to some positive things. Uh you want to talk basketball? Uh want to start with men's or women's? Let's start with the men. Let's save the
2: best for last.
0: All right, Phil, lead us off with the with the men's basketball talk.
2: Well, both uh both programs got off to a solid start. The uh women defeated Jacksonville, the men defeated uh Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, the good for those games are that they got to get a lot of players in, get a lot of minutes spread around, especially with the women bringing in six uh, six new players. Uh, so it was good for them. Uh, didn't get a chance to watch too much of the games this weekend. Uh, internet um, and the reach for uh, USF basketball is that huge out here in Oklahoma. So uh, Carl,
3: you were uh, you were at all the games this weekend, right? So yes, I was at all the basketball games this weekend, and the men are showing. They show a lot of promise, but they're very raw right now. They game their first game against Arkansas Pine Bluff. They absolutely dominated it. That was that was just a great performance from them. Then the next game against Boston College, a little bit less so because they went. Just absolutely ice cold right at the end of the first half, and let uh, Boston College go on. A, a, I think it was a twenty-six point run at one point. Jeez, it w- it wasn't very good. No, nor nor did it help that the refs were not uh, particularly good that game. The crowd was absolutely all over the rest. And look. You can't blame the rest for everything. USF needed to make some more shots, but they absolutely did affect the game, and they took away a lot of momentum that USF had at one point in time. That said, it, it, it's, it's tough, but it, it, the uh, USF needs to do a little bit better on making sure they don't go as cold as they did.
2: That's a game you can learn from, though. What, what I was impressed with, just looking at the stats... It would have been very easy for this team to get outworked on the boards especially when Yetna went down. Especially the first what I noticed first 10 minutes or what I was able to see. They dominated both sets of the glass especially on offense, a lot of second chance opportunities. That's what a young team's got to do. That's what they've got to do just to continue to work hard and working hard
3: is a cornerstone of a Brian Gregory squad. So, Maritavich was uh, very very good grabbing board. Uh, he, he was dominant underneath the glass when it came to getting that ball and uh, getting it away from uh, Boston College. Unfortunately, he couldn't really get too much on the board. And something else that's going on with the team is that if one of our big guys gets into one of our star players gets into foul trouble early, we're in problem. We're going uh, to have problems. Justin Brown got two quick fouls very early in the first half and he had to come off the floor pretty much for the rest of the half and suddenly it's like oh shoot there goes one of our biggest outside threats what are we going to do now fortunately for us david collins did step up he had an absolutely fantastic game which good because it made it for the fact that uh, laquincy Rideau didn't have as good of a game he ended up fouling out um which again not necessarily his fault the refs called um, they hit, They called a flopping warning against Rudeau and then an actual flop against David Collins, which he didn't. He didn't flop. He just got his ankles broken. So it's like I'd, I'd rather just admit, yeah, I got my ankles broken than uh, get pegged for flopping like that. It's like yeah, no, he didn't. He he didn't flop. He he got his ankles broken. It's a little bit more embarrassing, but you know, it is what it is. So, But apparently, according to the NCAA, getting your ankles broken is now um, illegal. So there's that. Yes, I am still bitter. Sue me.
2: So in one of, our, uh, one of our favorite segments on this show is the debate of uh, free throw percentage versus uh, turnovers. Fortunately, Tyler's not here to debate this today. Uh, but the Bulls went 10 of 18 from, uh, from, from the charity stripe. That's 55.6% and had, and uh, gave up 20 turnovers. I will, I do want to point out though, that the Bulls forced 27 turnovers and it had 18 steals. So yes,
3: USF does need to turn the ball over a little bit less. I think that's the bigger problem right now. Free throws are looking better. Obviously get it at least above 60%. Make, make two thirds if at all possible, but Turnovers do seem to be a little bit more of a problem for this team right now, unfortunately. The, the, problem, the biggest problem with this team is that they're trying a lot of things that aren't quite working out, which, again, I already said it once, I don't mind that they're, try, that they're trying some things and that they're not working out. Feel free to experiment so that by the time we get in the conference play, these things are working. The team knows what's going on and we'll be able to actually get everything going the way we want it to. That said, it's, it is a little frustrating to watch at times.
2: Looking at the stats, this seems like a, a loss
3: that the team can learn a lot from because Boston College is a quality opponent. Yes, Boston College is probably going to the NCAA tournament. So, the yes, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot from this going forward. BC is going to be one of the best opponents we face this year. It was a good test for the beginning of the season. It was a very good test for the beginning of the season. Yeah, we we hung around for most of the game. At At one point, you start to realize, okay, the comeback's not going to happen, but – it was, never, it was never completely out of the question until, you know, it was. USF led for most of the first half until suddenly they just went cold from the field. Uh, a couple bad calls from the refs completely cha- changed the uh, complexion of the game. And that was that. They, we do have to get, do a little bit better at being mentally tough, making sure that these calls don't rattle us like that because, yeah, they definitely got to us. The players were fairly agitated the crowd was furious but you know you can't control the crowd the player the players were clearly agitated at uh, everything that was going on and this this is when this is when you have to sit back and say okay they're going against us there's not a lot that we can do about this let's focus on the things that we can control and the things we can't control are making sure we get easy shots in david collins had two breakaways in the first half that he missed, and I don't know how, and it was really embarrassing. Honestly, he mi- he missed two very very easy layups that he gets ninety nine percent of the time. I didn't. I honestly didn't think it was possible for him to miss them, but then it, then he did. So
0: everybody, you know what? Here is the thing with the beginning of a season when it comes to basketball, any 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 team, NBA or college, you're going to have some things to iron out. You're coming off a long offseason. I, granted, they did have some international games, but when it's when you're playing when you're playing a school like Boston College, and it's the second real game of the year, your your first real test of the year, and your blood's boiling a little bit, you're overhyped, and it's the beginning of the game. I don't blame anyone for missing two layups. I know it sucks, but you won't see those misses even against Loyola. Hopefully, you don't see them against Furman. I, I've talked too much shit about UCF losing the Furman in football to lose to them in basketball. I think we're going to be fine. I think David Collins will find his stride. If it, He'll probably put up 700 points against IUP or however fucking pronounce that.
2: And the best part is, looking at all this, if there's anybody who's going to fix this, it's Brian Gregory. I've got no doubt that they're going to get that cleaned up, and we're going to continue to roll. Especially it's a lot I, – what I personally like seeing is I saw a video right before the game of every single person on that bench coming up to Alexis Yetna on the sideline while he's sitting in a wheelchair, you know, just to, you know, say hello, make him feel like he's part of that team. So that just shows you what kind of culture Brian Gregory's built. Well, I mean, he is part of the team. What do you expect? I mean, you, you know what I mean. Let's transition, talk a little bit about the women. Uh, Carl, we, we beat anybody this week?
3: Going so interesting. Uh, let's see you know jacksonville and oh yeah number 15 texas they sure didn't look like they were number 15 usf dominated that from start to finish it always it always felt like usf you kept if this was really the opposite of what was going on with usf versus boston college where you kept waiting for texas to make that run and get right back into the game and they just never did absolutely dominant performance by by the women against a very good opponent yes they were very short on players they they dressed seven. It looked like they had eight available, but they, for whatever reason, the Texas coach chose not to put their eighth person in against a team with two very good big players. USF kept them in check, which was shocking. Honestly, the the player underneath the basket is something that I thought was going to be a weakness for USF going into the season, but apparently, we're slightly better at defending the uh, paint than we really realized that we were going to be. Texas had two players that were significantly larger than any of the roster, except uh, Beatrice Jordeau, and it, yes, they both had double-digit scoring, but they weren't able to take over the game in the way that you thought they might be able to, if that makes any sense.
0: USF is currently 1-0 and against bull steamed teams. Our next game tomorrow at 7 p.m. is against Howard, the Bison. I'm going to go out on a limb and say USF absolutely destroys Howard and finishes the season 2-0 and against Bulls-themed opponents, proving once and for all that USF is prime Bulls.
3: <laughs> Horns up. USF Horns. is prime beef? Prime <laughs> beef. Can we appreciate...
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I think prime beef is the name of the episode. Yes. Uh, yeah
2: it is can we can we take a second though to appreciate the the twitter post of last year we beat oklahoma this year we beat texas the red river has to turn green uh city of Tampa can show you how
3: (laughs) okay so that was one of the very rare very good tweets from usf athletics and we need to have more of it because that was a brilliant 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 tweet they're they've been
0: more savage recently a little I'm bit, yeah. It. It's a, they're picking it's, up what we're putting down. If you check out
3: our, our Twitter, we're pretty rowdy. They're, they're starting to catch on that, hey, we, we need to have a little bit of sass on Twitter, which has been a problem for US of Athletics recently. They, the, social me- the social media accounts have just been, eh.
0: Have a personality and people will follow you. It's not, yep. not hard.
2: The one thing that did concern me about the women's team is, you know, when you're in a dogfight like that and you're up in the last couple of minutes – it's going to come down to free throws. And for the most part, they did it. But throughout the game, 68.4%. They shot 13 of 19 for the game from the free throw line. And that's not that's not as the mark of uh, a Jose team. Usually his teams are deadly at the free throw line. So off night or something to worry
3: about. I'm going to go with off nights. I have a feeling that they'll get that fixed the next, co- next couple games. And then... When it came down to it and USF had to make some clutch free throws, they made those clutch free throws. It, there was no question.
2: Who really impressed me, though, throughout the game was the freshman uh, Maria Alvarez. Uh, she didn't have the best night stats-wise, eight points, 0 for 2 for free, th- uh, free throws, 2 of 8 from behind the arc. That girl is not afraid to spot and shoot. And a lot of her shots did not miss by much. Once she dials that in, that girl is going to be deadly from behind the arc.
3: I have a question. That's not. I and before quickly, Ryan. Um, that's not what impressed me about her. She pulled the strings better than anyone else on that team did. She is probably the best point guard we have on the team. Even though she's not even the starting point guard. Right. Right now, starting point guard duties belong to Eliza Pinzon. She's good. Maria Alvarez is great. She played forty minutes. I was gonna. She also I
0: was gonna, knocked
2: down some pretty important free throws at the end of the game.
0: This stood out to me. I'm looking at the minutes played per player on both teams. Right for Texas,
3: they had three players play over thirty minutes. Yes, they. Well, again, they only played seven players the entire game. Right,
0: they had nine players play the entire game, but only but two of them were less than six minutes.
3: Holmes for Texas, though, she was the. Uh,
2: you know the big girl in the middle who was just absolutely you know trying that's where they tried to go the offense through she probably would have played more but she got she picked up a fourth quarter injury and uh was pretty hobbled in the last couple minutes of that game but sorry just an observation
0: no 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 my my question is if pinson is it pinson or pinzan pinzan if pinzan is going to play 40 minutes are we actually trusting on pronunciation no I just, <laughs> I know I was wrong last week um, on a few guys. Although I appreciate, I like being wrong. It's fun. If Pinzana's going to play 40 minutes in a game, should we expect more than three rebounds, five assists, and nine points? Not really. I mean. Granted, nine points was good enough for third on the team.
2: But seven of, her, seven of her points came from the free throw line. I believe three or four of them came in the last minute. When when the cards were down and you know the last you're trying to run the clock out and you need to make your free throws to seal the game, that's who they ran the plays to put the ball in her hands, and she did a good job for the most part taking care of the ball. She did. She did have have four turnovers, but I mean there was a 18 turnovers as a team. That's that's high by Jose's standards as well. So I expect that to go down, but. Against an aggressive Texas defense, she did a good job running the offense and taking care of the ball. And if she doesn't get as many points
3: because of that, I'm fine with that. In addition to that, she, she does a lot of things that aren't going to st- show up on the stats. I was she's just going to very... say, it sounds like
0: she's very much a player who, who you'll notice things in the intangibles rather than as a stats getter.
3: Yes, she has a lot of intangibles. She's an extremely intelligent player so far from what I've seen. Uh, that's, that's one of the things I've see, I've, that's been impressed me about her a lot. Again, her ball movement is very good. Uh, yes, there's a, there's a reason she is the starting point guard. I do like Alvarez more there, but there is a reason she's our starting point guard right now. She, she, she can read the floor very, very well, and she can, she can move the ball, and... Right, I think the biggest thing right now is she needs to be a little bit more comfortable driving to the basket, but that'll come with time. I'm not overly worried about that. She, yes, she she is a very intangibles player. The one thing that I'm probably the most concerned about is Rabinkova because she she does look like she's having a little bit of off time finding her shot right now as she's settling into the sort of the American NCAA style of play. For whatever reason, she can't quite dial it in. She's taking very good looks. Her ball movement's good. She's getting rebounds. She just can't make them fall right now for whatever reason. And she's going to need to start making them fall if this team's going to make a run at the NCAA tournament. She plays a lot of minutes. She does need to make them fall a little bit more. She needs to shoot slightly better from the field. But again, I think she's going to. I think that she does have the ability to. It's just right now, she's not... Meshing with whatever's going on, she's a she's not adjusting to the new game quite as well as we would have hoped, and that's what Tyler was sort of saying. When there will be growing pains with this team, obviously it's not enough growing pains that we're going to be losing uh, games to good teams. Obviously, because Texas is still very very good. That's a quad. one We just one looked win. much better. That's a quad one win, and we looked very good against them. My,
0: th- my thing is, and I'll reiterate this because we said it with the men's team, is it's really early in the season, and uh, some of these players are not going to be in their midseason form yet. So judging them because they didn't put up a, a ton of points because due to their minutes or whatever, or them not gelling 100%, 100% fair argument, also 100% going to be fixed. In my, exactly. I, think. I think we've got the best coach in college basketball when it comes to player development.
2: You can make that argument,
0: especially international player development.
2: I will say if this is our, you know, we're not in midseason form and we're, I'm not going to say dominating Texas, but to the point where we were only down for what, maybe 30 seconds a minute, the whole game. Yes. If that's not midseason form. Oh, boy, this season's going to be fun.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. And really, despite the score, it really was a, a uh, fairly dominant performance from USF. They, they let Texas get um, fairly close a couple times, but they really never let Texas get out in front. It's, that, was a, that was a game that I was not expecting from a very, very young team. And, man, they just looked really, really good out there. They, the ball moon was good. They got enough good looks there. To keep Texas honest, it the talent on this team is mind-blowing. It not, it's nothing short of mind-blowing. They look so good out there right now.
2: And the conference went ahead and uh, recognized some of that ta- talent. Uh, Anna Pahadich uh, was named uh, Conference Player of the Week by the American Athletic Conference. She averaged 18 points per game over the first two games, hit 11 three-pointers, to be fair, I believe eight of those were against Jacksonville. Let me just double check the stat sheet. So yeah, she had three three threes in the Texas game. So eight of those did come
3: against against Jacksonville. She shot forty four percent from the field though. There's a reason we haven't mentioned her yet, and that's because so that we can give her this sort of recognition right now. She this is this is the player that we thought we were getting before she had a pair of just horrific en- injuries. Why she had to sit out the full season? Now she's back. She's back with a vengeance. My God, she looks good. All
2: the all the tribulation from last season really helped her the most, I, I believe now. Especially with Cindy Harvey still, you know, coming back from some offseason season injuries, she came. She had to. She had to be the girl last year to lead that team to the WNIT. Now that we're healthy, now that she has the support, she's putting up these numbers. I mean. 44% from the field that's that's stupidly awesome. Well yeah, that's what you're, you know your your star players are supposed to make big plays in big games. She stepped up and every it seemed every time Texas got on a roll or hit a big three, she hit she had three threes in that game. They were all big ones and it always seemed to come right when Texas was on a run to extend the lead back out to uh, to two scores.
3: This is something I noticed with both teams. Whenever the opposing team hit like a big three almost every time both men and women they would respond with their own the men weren't quite as successful at it um they they but they still managed to get a couple big threes right after Texas or right after Boston College got their big three you know that's the kind of response that makes me excited for this team right now
2: it seems like both teams are pretty mentally tough So, as Ryan said, the women will be playing uh, Howard uh, tomorrow. Then they'll play VCU at home on Friday. Uh, So, two, I'm not going to say pushover opponents, but two kind of warm-up matches before the main event next Tuesday where they go to Waco, Texas to play Baylor. That's where we're going to find out just how good this squad is when they play, what, the defending national champions.
3: I I will be at the Howard game. I will not be at the VCU game, however. We're going to have to go on that on stats alone. I am going to be in Gainesville for the USF women's soccer team who are playing Florida again in the NCAA tournament. Rant incoming.
2: So before we get into Carl's rant, uh, 2-1 win on uh, Friday over that school in Orlando in the AAC semifinals. Got a chance to play number 8 Memphis on their home field, a rematch of the 2018 American Conference Championship. Uh, The one that did not go well. And the women dominated Memphis. It was only 2-0, but Memphis didn't get a they didn't get a shot on goal until the 51st minute of the game. Cindy Martinez was never under any real danger, and Evelyn Vn scored two goals in three minutes. And the Bulls are your 2019 American Athletic Conference women's soccer champions.
3: Woo! The senior class for the soccer team deserves absolutely nothing less than to go out as conference champions. They have been nothing short of spectacular for the program. Um, and they've, they've probably been the most dominant team on campus that we've had for the last, what, three or four years.
2: Since this class has been on campus.
3: They have a ring of season right now for the last three years. They won, they won the conference tournament, then they won the regular season, then they won the conference tournament again. Yes, the NCAA, it's like the, the, winning the regular season isn't quite as big of a prize but Americans are, start, Americans are starting to realize that, hey, winning the regular season in soccer is nothing to uh, sneeze at. That's a lot of games to win. And my God, USF went won all those games last year. This year, a little bit less so, but every team they've lost to so far, they went on and beat and uh, ended up beating them in postseason play.
2: I am not always the biggest believer in how Shelty Brown runs this team, but full credit to her. Full credit to our coaching staff. This team, this entire tournament, minus one bad moment in the semifinal where Sydney uh, uh, Martinez you know, elbowed a girl in the box to get a penalty kick, USF was never in any real danger this whole tournament. They came out. They dominated Central Florida. They dominated Memphis. It, it, it was four goals to one. It very easily could have been a lot worse great goalkeeping for both central Florida and Memphis but this team they were on a mission to reclaim their tournament championship credit to them they were they came out ready to play and they looked awesome I wish the NCAA would have given them the respect they deserved because they finished with four they finished with 14 and four record finished 24th in the RPI receiving votes in the coaches poll and number 11 in the top drawer rankings, which I know the top drawer rankings is a secondary
3: poll, but it's still a recognized poll. And now it's rant time. USF got sent to an 11-8 and, fl- an 11 and eight team.
2: Who bombed out in the semifinals
3: at the SEC tournament. And made it on an at-large bid. There is no excusing that. I understand that USF lost them early in the season. I get that. That does, not, that does not change the fact that USF should be hosting this. USF has been a much better team this season than UF has. And not only that, UF went and lost to UCF as well. And USF has proven that they can beat UCF. It, 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 it's inexplicable. It's absolutely inexplicable how this team ended up having to go to UF. A team, again, 11-8 usf has a record of what phil
2: 14 and 4 and i would even i want to go back to that game in august where uf comes into corbett and wins two nothing those two goals were scored on counterattacks. usf dominated about 85 minutes of that game they just couldn't finish on that particular night so don't have any inclination that uf is two goals better than usf because that's just not true
3: USF has run into hot keepers all year during the regular season and then gone on to beat that team in postseason play. So you know what? Fuck it. Fine. It's revenge season. We'll go up to UF and we'll beat them there. Because that seems to be the thing that's going on. I'm confused as to why everybody's so mad about this. Don't we want
0: to beat the shit out of an easy-ass team to get warmed up in the beginning?
3: Here's the thing. USF should not be playing UF. If you really want to go dive in, UF is ranked high enough that they should be that they should be playing uh, a much worse team than USF. In the, in a way, this is also screwing UF out of here because should USF go in and walk and uh, walk all over them, then UF is going to say we're we we are ranked high enough that we shouldn't have had to play these. What the hell is going on here? Both teams have a very big excuse to be mad about this. Is there At an NCAA? Least- Conspiracy against Florida, man. No, it's, it's the, this is the NCAA going in every year and regionalizing uh, tournaments that aren't supposed to be regional every single tournament. If you are not, if it's not men's basketball and you are not an NCAA darling team, don't worry about uh, making a home bid. Uh, and this is, and if, if USF a couple years ago had actually bid to, had actually put in a bid to host, the regional baseball tournament, they probably wouldn't have gotten it either because USF is not an NCAA darling team. They are not one of those blue bloods. They will, we will not get anything that's interesting. The, the women's soccer team managed to host an NCAA tournament game a couple of years ago, and I'm baffled as to how it happened. Honestly, it was more surprising that it happened than the NCAA continually scurrying it. Last year, this team that beat the hell out of Baylor got sent to uh, FSU round two. Baylor got, Baylor got seated. Baylor got seated number three. USF beat the shit out of them. It, it was not close. That was, that was the single most dominant game I've ever seen that team play.
2: I have the final RPI rankings up for the ones that came out at the conclusion of the, of the conference tournaments. USF, as I mentioned, finished 24th. You guys want to know where Florida is? 23.
3: Sure. Why is 24 yeah.
2: and 23 playing in the first round of a
3: 64-team tournament? On their website, it says that they try to do things that involve the least amount of flying.
2: These kids deserve to fly, though. These kids deserve to
3: go where they... To, well, no, 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 no. Both USF and UF deserve to be hosting, hosting games. You know who else has a legitimate gripe
2: right now? Memphis. Memphis has to go on the road. Don't ask me how that one happened. because
3: oh, you want, to- you, want to, you want to talk about going on the road. They have to fly to Washington. You can stick that whole, we want to make sure that teams don't have to fly as much thing, directly up your ass, because that's absolute garbage. They have to go up to Wazoo. And not only that, Washington is going to have to come to FSU when FSU inevitably beats their first-round opponent 6-0. You take that thing about the flights, and turn it sideways and stick it straight up your candy ass.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh,
2: okay, the Rock.
0: Okay, you're welcome, <laughs> God damn you! I, I will All be. Right. Pos-
2: I will be positive for one moment, though. I have zero doubt the women can beat Florida. No doubt. Of course. I think this team could beat Washington too. This, the the fact that we're not hosting is disrespectful. No doubt beyond disrespectful make it
0: fuel dude you gotta take that energy and make it fuel everybody should get behind these girls and
2: take this crap hand that we've been given and join together and
0: come back stronger and absolutely we need people to show up
2: for these road games especially the first round we know is in gainesville the next round, most likely in Tallahassee. I will say, what is encouraging, we can beat UF, we can beat Washington. Uh, at least since we've been here, we've never seen the Sweet 16. This is the year we've got the team to beat the Sweet 16. Let's also remember, when we were in Tallahassee last year in the second round, we were up one nothing towards the end of the first half. We are a better team than we were last year. Just survive in advance. Take some frustration out on Florida for the love of God. Yes. I
0: want, I want goals on,
2: on goals here.
0: I want, I want a great
3: game by these, by these girls, and everyone's got to go. This is prime Evelyn Vian territory right here. She's, she had four goals in the American tournament against teams that beat us in the regular season. She is going to be ready to, for UF.
0: Do we have closing, closing thoughts on, on women's soccer?
2: I'm going to say those two goals that Evelyn scored in the final, her two, she scored 68 goals for the green and gold. I don't know of any bigger than her two to win the title on Sunday.
3: If there's one college player that deserves to have her number retired, it's her. Which it, and that's, this, is, this is not like women's basketball. Uh, this, is not, this is not like any other sport. When you re- if you retire a number in soccer, my god, that means something because you only get you only get up to you know about thirty three, and you know you have you have an extra ten, extra twenty in uh, in basketball to work with if one if uh, one number gets retired or so. Can, do they retire numbers in in the NCAA? I don't think so. Yeah, no. US, USF has set USF has uh, a handful of players from the men's and women's basketball teams retired. And frankly, I mean, some of them are numbers that you probably won't see, but Evelyn Vann's number 14, that's one that you would see otherwise.
2: I do want to give Michael Kelly a shout out, though. I can't remember the last time I've seen a USF athletic director get on Twitter and publicly say, this ranking is crap. So shout out to you, Michael Kelly. You've had the pulse of Bulls Nation since you've gotten here, and Respect to you. That is my ad. Did we? Did you guys go
0: over men's soccer?
2: Well, a lot happened since our uh, since our last podcast. Big three one win in at Memphis, who's who's now ranked RPI thirty five. Huge win got us a three seed for the AAC tournament, and as well, that's a resume win right there. Um, they knocked off UConn one 0 in the first round of the American tournament to advance to the final rounds in uh, Orlando. Uh, they will be playing Wednesday at 4.30 against SMU. SMU did beat them 3-0 in Tampa. We were all there for that one. We also should have scored a couple of goals there. We also gave up some bad ones, so I'm very curious to see the rematch there.
3: I would say we gave up a bad one in that game. I don't think we gave up multiple bad ones. The Two of those goals were just just incredible shots.
2: But I don't think we're three goals worse than SMU the way we play. We played a horrendous first half. We played a great second half. Well, unfortunately, by the time it was the second half, it was too little too late. But I'm curious to see the rematch. They win. They'll see the winner of C and Temple. Um, and that really begs the question, 48 teams get into the NCAA tournament for the men. Right now, we're currently sitting at RPI number 30. We have wins over RPI number 23 in Louisville at 35 Memphis and we have a draw against RPI 33 in FIU which should have been a win but that's a thing for another day they have one bad loss in Ohio State who's sitting at number 77 the rest of our win the rest of our losses have all been to top 50 RPI teams so the question I want to ask do we have to beat SMU to get in the tournament or do we have a realistic shot come a week from today of hearing our name called on selection monday i th- boy
3: it's going to be close i think that we do have a realistic shot of of hearing the name called when it comes down to selection to to selecting the teams but beating smu would definitely give us that safety blanket because it uh, out of the out of the gate yeah if, if we beat SMU, I think we're in. As it stands, oh boy, I'd say it's a solid 50-50 right now. It definitely could happen, but boy, is it going to be close.
2: I think they're close enough, right? like if, Even if we lose, because we're not going to get dinged too badly for a lost SMU. We have 10 wins, which is where you need to be to be in the conversation. We have a couple of quality wins, only one bad loss. I think right now we're at least close enough that we're going to be watching very, very closely on Selection Monday. Also, shout out to Bob Uthorn, first career uh, AAC tournament win uh, as a member of the Green and Gold. So, congratulations to him. It was, uh, we were all exhaling when that game was over, a red card in the 80th minute. It's going to be close. Beat SMU, we don't have to worry about it as much beat SMU and then beat Cincinnati and Temple and we reclaim
3: our title. How great would it be to hold both AAC tournaments at once? That would be pretty great. I'd, I'll be honest. I don't think it's going to happen. I uh, love the men's team. I don't think it's going to happen. Beating SMU, also not, also not sure that's going to happen either, but, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, you never know when it comes down to postseason play. The men's soccer team absolutely gutted it out against UConn and, oh boy, the goal they scored against UConn was great. They absolutely clowned the entire back line and the goalie. Bayern Munich wouldn't have been proud. They would have been so proud.
2: What's, <laughs> what's really encouraging for me,
3: where has this Adrian Billhart been the last 18 months? He's been <laughs> incredible. The goal that Adrian ended up scoring was a tap-in. It was one of the easiest goals he'll ever score in his life. There were three players charging the box for USF. And you had, three, you had three defenders for UConn in the box, plus the goalie. It's pretty much a one-on-one situation. But the center attacker for USM, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember the names right now because it, the ball moves so quickly through the box, it was hard to keep track. The first player, he could have just shot it by himself. And it, he would have had a pretty good chance. But no, pa- passes it to the left side of the box uh, to another open player who, again, wide open could have could have played it straight in on the ground it had his pick of the entire net no passed it back all the way across the six to the right side of the box where adrian was and and then adrian ended up blasting it uh all the way to the far post anyway it would they absolutely destroyed the back line and it was phenomenal it was it was absolutely phenomenal, and that, de- and that defensive line needs to feel all the shame of the world because, my God, you should have cleared that out. I don't know how you didn't. Embarrassment. Absolute embarrassment. That's enough
0: for the current sports. I have a question for you guys, though. Since USF has stepped foot inside the American, discounting everything we did in the Big East and everything we did in the Sun Belt and whatever other conferences um, since our inception, since we've been in the American, What team has been the most consistently high quality star studded biggest caliber squad that we've had?
3: Well, there goes football.
0: No football. We knew we were not going to cover here. If we did a worst of, we could talk about a few different years, Um, but I'll lead off. I think that our best team and they don't get any recognition they should get more clout than what they have it's kind of a travesty has got to be men's golf
2: we're a country club
0: school we're a country club school at heart coach steve bradley might be the greatest coach in the history of usf especially for the golf team under him the team has won 16 conference championships in the American Athletic Conference alone, that's four. From 2015 to 2018, we've won a conference title. They're insane.
2: So we can always count on a conference title for men's uh, men's golf and tennis. Yeah,
0: all the country club sports. Hey, if you are looking to retire and you need to, to learn how to play these these sports that, you know, they're non-contact, but they're high energy, keep up your... Your, your, your blood flowing into your early 60s, into your 70s and 80s. As millennials and Gen Z, we're not going to be able to take part in this. So it makes sense that USF is giving us these programs now to dominate in. Um, they're insane. <laughs> I, don't also, know, I don't know why they don't get uh, enough credit. They don't.
2: I'll, I'll give my argument. Men's tennis. And here's why. If you go into the all-time champion, conference championship records in the American since its inception in 2013, 2014, and you go over men's tennis, you see 2014, USF, 2015, USF, 2016, USF, 2017, USF. Tulane won it in 2018, but I remember watching that match. We lost all of our players. We were just it was it was a down year. They came one match away from winning that title. And it was one of the most gutsy performances I've seen. The number one player from Tulane that year made it to the last 16, I believe, of the U.S. Open this year. Uh, Can't remember what round he got in, but he was playing with the big boys. And 2019, who claimed? Oh, right, USF. So pretty much men's tennis, the conference tournament, is the USF Invitational because we won five out of the first six tournaments.
3: So when we were talking about this in our group chat planning planning today's episode, my initial thought was going to be with the women's soccer team because of the fact they do have because of the fact they do have a conference ring for the last 3 years. But I've got to give it to men's tennis as well. The turn they have been so utterly insanely dominant in conference. It's hard it's really hard to fathom.
2: You were mentioning when we were talking about soccer how, how, especially with this team, everybody they lost to in conference, they came back and beat in the tournament. Men's tennis, the last two tournaments, they lost in the regular season to that school in Orlando. Who did they beat in the finals both times? That school in Orlando.
0: All right, guys, that's enough of that Uh, good conversation. Just rattling it off at the end there. Um, thanks for listening to the bullseye episode six. Um, hope you're in for the next one. Hopefully, you know, we can get more of the guys on. That's all the time we've got any closing remarks.
2: And let us, let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Who is the most dominant USF team since the USF has joined the American in the 2013, 14 year. We'd love to hear from you. Love to continue this debate. It's, you know, it's always get to fun debating who wins more championships. And cut.